Welcome back, everybody. Conrad's Corner. Thanks very much for joining us once again. This week, I am very privileged to be joined by Mr. Ray Wong. Ray, thank you very much. Senior Vice President, Altus Data Solutions Research. You're giving me a promotion. Oh, well, there you go. Congrats. <laughs> no. Vice President of um, Data Operations, Data Solutions. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that means. Well, what we do is we collect data on commercial as well as new homes data. So we have over 70 full-time researchers that comb the markets every single day, every single week, and pulling information for with, with the latest transactions, the latest um, lease availabilities. And basically, what we're, um, our objective is to be the barometer for the industry. What's happening with the commercial market? What are um, clients... Um, um, what are their objectives, and how does the data help them make the decisions they need to make for for their um, overall uh, portfolio growth, and as well as to also provide them with advanced warnings with potential market turns. So we focus on data from from the granular up to the aggregate to help them make their decisions. In addition to that, with with Altus being a, a data. Uh, sort of software company as well as com commercial services with valuation and cost and tax. And this is macro, micro, this is primarily for Canada, Nor North America, worldwide? What are you guys focusing well, on? Our data services is mainly in uh, Canada, but we are growing in the U.S. as well as um, Altus itself is a global company. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned a little bit about residential, you mentioned about commercial, I believe you guys are one of the very few, if only, that offer specific reports, i.e. the multifamily report, uh, residential development report. Yep. I know that Royal Page Commercial, we and our agents, our, our vast network, they're big, big fans of the different modules that you guys offer. Uh, before we get into the overall trends and what's happening this year, where we're going next year, what the market looks like, let's talk a little bit about the products that Altus offers and the services. Talk to me a little bit about the bundles and how that benefits the real estate market? Well, it's up to the the individual with respect to how much data um, that they want and depending on what the objectives and what they want to, uh, to measure. So we're basically the back office research um, um, part of um, other companies to either augment their existing research or for us to be providing them with the latest vacancy rate information, or the latest transactions and uh, market intelligence so they can help their clients with their decisions and provide them advice with, with uh, the overall market trends. So the, key, the key with this is partnering up with our clients because we have the, the granular information, so we have the latest stats, we have the latest vacancy rates, but then you partner that up with the knowledge our clients have of the market itself plus the overall granularity, how they, um, they're in touch with the clients and they're speaking with a lot of people um, every day, our information helps them be better informed to, to provide the best possible service to their clients. And on the different bundles specifically, research development bundle, office transaction bundle? Yeah, um, industrial, yep. um, on, the, on the sale leasing side, um, and as well as commercial transaction mm -hmm. data. So that's um, on the office, data centers, um, residential land, 
Um, and um, as well as we also focus on the, the portfolio uh, transactions, but it's not just providing the transactions. We have researchers that provide sort of that we'll refer to as secondary research. Mm. What's behind the deals? Why did a cap rate sell at this price? Right? And um, to give them a little bit more understanding of why certain transactions either happen or in some cases, more importantly, why they didn't happen. Mm. And that can be the most important part of the information, the secondary information behind exactly. the deal itself. What's the real nuance of the deal? Yep. So it's not just the data itself. We pride ourselves in what's behind the transactions. That goes with our, our new homes module as well. Um, not just the, the sales that are happening in new homes, but why is the market slowing? Why is it picking up? Why are certain pockets moving quicker than others? Right. So we have that type of information that um, our clients can access. Yeah, very beneficial. I know, obviously, Royal Page, our network, 20,000 plus agents in Canada here. Uh, very popular with that new residential model. That one is very, very popular. Our commercial agents, uh, they love the transaction. They love the nuances, as you said, behind the deals. And your quarterly reports, your quarterly reports are, they're like hotcakes. As soon as they come out, people want to know about them right away. How long have you guys been doing those? Um, we've been doing them the um, you know, last 20 years. And that's that's an important part of it. We have the history for the last 20, 20 plus years in certain markets with... Um, market cycles. So that gives us a better uh, insight when market turns based on interest rates or recession, how the market will likely turn. So, and for individual investors, they can look at, for especially for an office building, the last 20 years of vacancy rates and rental rate history on the building, and because it can match up that data with what, um, what was happening with the market back then? Was it a recession? Was it low interest rates? What was causing the higher low occupancy levels? You've already mentioned the R word, so let's let's jump into it. People are talking about a recession. Obviously, on the previous Conrad Corner episode, we had Phil on here. I just had John Crombie. Now we're talking to you. The overall sentiment was early days. We don't think we're going to see a deep recession conversation uh, last episode with John. He said, if there is one, it may be uh, shallow and short, but nobody seems to have a, a grasp on exactly what to anticipate for that balance of this year. And then leading into next year, what are the numbers telling us? We're just still dealing with high inflation. We're still dealing with, um, with um, global economic factors that are still impacting supply chains um, and the, you know, the completion of products. You know, we've all had the experience of waiting over a year for a new car, especially if it's an electric car. Yeah. Right? So I think those things are going to cause more of a drag on the, the economy. And when you look at what's been happening on the tech sector after um, you know, the last two years of strong growth and expansion, Amazon has announced um, cutbacks. I think it's, they've announced up like 10,000 jobs. Uh, Facebook's going through the same thing, um, and I, I think uh, Shopify as well. So you're not going to see that growth impetus that we've saw in the last 20 months that may cause uh, um, more of a slowdown in the market. So, and and then the, the, the funny thing is that when you look at the the data itself, so last month um, um, there was 108,000 new jobs. Created, right? And so yeah. the, it's, it's, it's still tight, but if we're going through this, the slowdown, um, employment is still being created. So it'll be interesting to see the lag effect 
with these restructuring of some of the, the tech firms and with their employees, never mind the whole discussion of work from home, how that sort of impacts the economy. And the same thing with the U.S. They're dealing with, with um, high inflation. But it's interesting there that there's a bit of a contrast. Here we're dealing with, on the multi-res side, very low vacancy rates, increase in, in rental rates. In the U.S., it's opposite, mm. whereby there's a bit of a supply issue with, with apartments and multifamily, and their average rents are going down. So when you look at um, the factors influenced in the U.S., you knew that their inflation numbers were going to come down from uh, the, the, the previous numbers, and they have checked to, to, to a certain extent. And similar on the, on the Canadian side, with, with, the, with uh, some of the announcements that maybe it hasn't really impacted people yet, but I know in the next three to six months, I'm focusing on what we, what we need rather than what we want. Yep. And even though... Um, so scaling back a little bit. Yeah. So we're not going to take that chance on perhaps a large investment or big ticket items yep. until there's a little bit more certainty in the marketplace. So I, I think that we're, we're going to be in this sort of sluggish, slow recession for at least another year and then see if, um, the, 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 if anything changes. But the challenge we're dealing with right now is that there's a lot of influences right now in the market that we can't control. So especially with inflation, we can't control gasoline prices. We can't control energy prices. We're still dealing with logistic shortages, which are causing prices to go up. And as well as we're still dealing with high labor costs. Yeah. So when you look at all that, um, there's a lot of things sort of that that will sort of lag the, the, the market over the next little while. Well, and it's odd, too, because uh, you probably get these news aggregators that I get in my email daily, and I take a look, and it's funny, from article to article to article, there can be a, a massive dichotomy between what they're saying. This one, so-and-so is cutting 10%, 20%, 50% of their jobs. And then, you know, this one, well, Google just took 100,000 square foot in Montreal and is in a, a new hybrid work office model, and it's going to be great. So what's going on? Companies are downsizing their labor but they're also expanding on their office space. They're working for hybrid models. You mentioned work for home. What, what can we anticipate next year? What are people going to be doing? Hybrid models? Well, well definitely hybrid models or, or some semblance of it. But if you look at the space that's leasing in the market, especially mm -hmm. for the last 18 months, it's the, it's the newer buildings and the high quality of space, allowing for better technology, uh, more efficient use of the space, as well as new amenities within that space. So, so companies are, and again, to a certain extent, we're still dealing with a tight labor market. So a lot of the banks or a lot of the accounting firms use real estate as, as a method to retain and attract top talent, right? Yep. And as well as to reinforce their corporate culture. Yes. Right? So a lot of the expansion has been into the new space, like in Vancouver, you have the Post, and Toronto, you have uh, CIBC and, and a couple other projects. And there hasn't been any sort of lease cancellations, right? And the well and... So that's and, key, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people were chicken little, the sky is falling, everything's going to fall apart. No lease cancellations. People are still leasing up the new stuff. And the but is the other side with respect to... The next, especially with companies with another one to two years um, term left, 
it doesn't really make sense for them to sublet the market. And what we're seeing in the market across Canada is the sublet numbers are starting to go back up. Mm. So they came down since the peak of probably second quarter 2020 when everyone was trying to yep. get rid of their space. And a lot of that, that space was, was sort of leased up. But now it's moving up again. And part of that is, is that um, companies are, they've had about two years to deal with the work from home. There ha has been efforts to bring people back in at least two, three days a week. Some of us working, some of us not. Companies are spending millions of dollars yeah. with amenities and whether or not it works or not, it's, it still remains to be seen. So in the next 18 months, be interesting whether or not we actually st still see the trend with, uh, with companies actually deciding not to require the space or at least to to downsize based on a new hybrid model or yeah. consolidating certain offices and building sort of one hybrid location and having sort of rotation of departments come come in and out so that they adhere to one of the space requirements plus as any type of social distancing requirements in, in the space. So for Q3, off the top of your head, what are we looking at now for vacancy rates in, in across the country in the various vetcom cities? Are they are they down from where they were? I presumably they are, but now you're saying the sublease space is moving back up. They're up a little bit from two yeah. Q. Yeah, um, and still the you know the strongest performance market it, uh, remains um, Vancouver, and okay. it's less than ten percent overall. I think it's around nine point six percent. Alberta is doing is doing a little bit better. And they've benefited from very low um, rental yeah. rates. Their, their their office vacancy rates are at still at 25, 26%, and, but they have come down a little bit. But the cool thing of what Alberta is doing is that we get the odds every, the ads every weekend. Move to Alberta is affordable. Yes. And it's working. And when you look at the house prices there, and and um, and if you look at the interprovincial migration patterns, People are moving to Alberta. People are moving to Atlanta, Canada. Part is affordable housing. Part of it is going home. But Alberta is going to be very well positioned in the next three to five years because of the demographics that have moved there. They have a lot of young, high-skilled uh, labor that's moving yeah. into that province. So you've seen the latest analysis with Bombardier and as well as a few tech companies take advantage of the lower rents and they're downtown. Right, and with our new homes data, when we look at um, the activity in Alberta, it's actually up compared to Vancouver and Toronto and the other markets, which is down. And partly it's because of that that push with respect to um, it's not just for the people with affordability, but it's guaranteed um, um, rents from some of these um, projects for investors. So they're targeting both the the the, the for from affordability standpoint, from investor standpoint as well. So it's having that that positive movement. Toronto, we we're still seeing the office vacancy rates move up a little bit, and it's happening both in the downtown and the suburbs. Mm -hmm. And uh, Montreal, again, it's it's relatively flat, and same thing with Ottawa. So being interesting with the fourth quarter numbers, but I'm anticipating slightly higher office vacancy rates. And, and and that's also due to right now with companies still trying to figure out what to do with their space. Do we downsize? Do we um, you know, bring in more co-working space, provide that flexibility? And then like in, in Toronto alone, there's close to uh, over 50 
different co-working companies. Yeah. So you look at the fragmentation, but you're also looking at that demand that's starting to grow, especially out in the in the suburbs. Like if you live in the suburbs, I'd rather drive 10 minutes away rather than take an hour to commute into the, into the downtown. And what they've started to offer is is really crazy. I mean, some of these hybrid work models or those co-working models, they look like, you know, the epitome of these fantastic technology. They've got everything you could want in this space and make it so accessible for everybody. So it may be the short play in the interim is that people are going to move into these type of locations. Um, the other thing, to your point about Alberta, that we're hearing is, and tell me if you're hearing about this other places, a former company that I work with just took a massive office building and they're converting it to residential. We've been talking to our clients um, a lot about those um, conversions. So it has to be the right building. And with with Calgary, they're offering certain incentives for, uh, I think, $75 a square foot to convert from from office to um, to residential. And now they're also offering to data centers mm-hmm. or um, uh, healthcare or other type of uses. The thinking is, is that I think the goal is to, to, to uh, eliminate close to about 6 million square feet of office space over the next, I, don't know, I think, five years or something. And that's the older space. And again, it's probably outlived its life as an office yep. and to convert it into other uses. But the challenge you're dealing with is some of these office buildings, they're just not that um, conducive for alternative uses based on the layout, based on on the spacing, uh, the infrastructure. Sometimes it's, it's actually cheaper to knock it down and start from scratch. So it'll be interesting to see from a cost point. And we know that construction costs materials have come down a little bit from the peak early in the year but you still have challenges with labor costs. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends on the building itself and it depends on the the type of tenant that they're attracting and as well as we said earlier with what type of amenities are they putting in space to draw people into renting that space. And I know that government is also getting more involved with affordable housing and whether or not they provide some sort of incentive as well for the builder or developer to allow for that type of change. Touching on that briefly, uh, the new bill that was just announced here in Ontario, what are you guys hearing about that and, and thoughts on that in terms of how it's going to impact the green belt, some of the flack they're getting? Um, is this a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? Anything they do now is positive. Whether or not it actually results in something in the next three to five years is the, is the question. Because what we're dealing with in Ontario earlier, um, you know, government on one hand spoke about affordability issues and need for more affordable housing. At the same time, they've also increased the, the lot levies and development charges by 50%. Yeah. So it goes in contrast. So the latest policies from Ontario are addressing those, um, some of the regulations and trying to speed up the, the development process, as well as address on certain development with perhaps development charge freezes and to allow for um, sort of a faster and perhaps more efficient way for for um, for for builders to start these type of projects. So I think the, the, the policies that I have announced are all positive, but let's see what happens with the green belt and the other policies, whether or not it alleviates it and whether or not 
it's it's affordable or it makes sense for developers to get involved at that point. Yeah, whether or not it comes to fruition, number one. And then number two, if the concept actually pays out, will be most interesting yep. because what they put down in theory may not be re relevant in practicality. Exactly. Uh, but, I mean, the reality is there's a massive housing shortage across the country, but obviously for us at home here in the GTA, it's it's just almost unbearable for people. And with the immigration talk to that as well because the numbers that they're talking about, I don't know how they're gonna support that. Well, that's why I'm, I'm still a big believer of housing and uh, and the cost because you have a, a demand issue now with um, not enough housing being built and with the latest numbers and the increases that the federal government made about uh, immigration, it's just gonna add um, to the housing issue. And, and to a certain extent, I. I think that may hurt us um, with with Toronto and Vancouver down the road, just becomes, because from affordability standpoint, if, one, if you have to be in the office or close proximity, mm -hmm. and to be able to afford a home, you have to go to the outskirts, and you have to look at your your Kitchener Waterloo, you have to look at your Hamilton, you have to move a little bit further north, yep. right? And and in some cases, and what we saw in the last eighteen months. It's easier to move to Calgary, and you're within ten minutes uh, within your 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 place of employment. Yeah, Atlanta, and, Canada. I know you're bullish on Atlanta, Canada as well. I know you're a big fan of. Is it Halifax? I've always been <laughs> a big fan of Halifax because if you look at if you look at um, the availability of housing, yep. and if you look at the the universities, it's always it has all the right components to to make it uh, successful, and I think. With the interprovincial migration, you've seen the benefit of that, and I, th I think longer term we have to look at making housing affordability away, uh, available for for the talent or the skilled workers, or they're just not going to be located in Toronto, or they, or basically they don't have a choice. And plus, based on the the, the, the multi-res side, the multi-res side is next to less than one percent in Toronto, so you can't really rent. But if you rent, you're paying absorbent numbers compared to, say, you know, Ottawa, or uh, or a Calgary mar market, mm -hmm. and so the outskirts have the secondary tertiary markets have benefited from increase in house prices. But again, when you look at it that way, it, it also hurt the people that were actually living in those communities already. That now they're having challenges affording housing because of the movement of prices. So I think. With this slowdown in the market with the higher interest rates, it has helped um, to a certain extent yeah. with home prices, but not to the same, not to the degree where where it makes it more affordable to a certain extent. But I, I think we still have that major affordability issue, not just in Ontario, but in Canada. So people are having to move to secondary tertiary markets. I mean, we know that market well because Royal Page Commercial, that's, you know, primarily we're focusing on making sure that wherever there's Canadian businesses and Canadian business owners, secondary tertiary markets, we have representation and agents there. Um, that's really one of our major focuses is those markets. If the residential play is that way and you're seeing housing prices fluctuate in that area, are businesses going to start moving out of, of the course? Are you going to see businesses move out or do they have to stay in the core? Well, they follow the people. So yeah. if you look at Toronto with the growth in demand of the office friendly, because it was you know pre-pandemic is less than five percent for Class A, and they basically follow the employees with major transportation hub, and and that's how they um, retain and attract it. But if there's 
not need anymore with with especially employees because now unless you you post uh, um, employment or offer that provides that hybrid, modeled. yeah, they're not going to look Forget at it, it right. <laughs> So you need that flexibility and whether or not companies will set up satellite offices or use co-working space to accommodate um, those workers who want to sort of work from home or hybrid, but don't want to do that hour and a half commute. Because there's a real separation with Vancouver and Toronto and the amount of time it takes you again to work every mm-hmm. day. Um, people are not just not willing to do that three-hour commuting or... Well, not willing. And also, how does that impact your productivity? I know for me, I'm out in the outskirts. Head office for us is in downtown Toronto. When I make the commute in, like many people, an hour, an hour and a half, one way. So that's three hours of your day. What's that doing to productivity? I understand the counter argument that we were hearing a lot from a lot of corporations. Well, productivity is down. uh, Mentorship is down. Collaboration is down. We got to get people back in the office. But at what cost? Because the transportation... The infrastructure is really almost borderline disastrous at this point. <laughs> it's really bad. Like, who wants to be in the car for three hours a day? Yeah. Um, so we're, we're seeing that, and we're still dealing with the pandemic to a certain extent, because I know that there are certain people that are still not comfortable in taking a subway or taking a bus that's packed. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's, it's causing those issues as well. So I think we're going to see a, a, a continued shift and you're right, the, the whole commuting pattern right now and that work-life balance thing, um, I think people have had a hard look at it, especially in the last you know, um, two years. And uh, again, I, I use this example all the time. On Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, I go to Costco because there's nobody there. Right? <laughs> I can do it because I'm working from home. Yeah. Right? And I have that flexibility. I know what my deadline is. I know my work capacity. But if I was in the office, I probably couldn't make that trip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, so I'm still very productive. Whether or not, so I, 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 I support the hybrid model. I'm in the office for three days a week, and and two days I'm at home. But I like that that mixture. But so far, I'm I'm taking public transit instead of driving. Wow, good for you because a lot of people, to your point, still feel uncomfortable. But many people have to. They don't have a choice. Yeah. Um. So we've talked a little bit about office. Let's. I mean, obviously for us, uh, a lot of our agents have been very successful in the last couple of years on the industrial side, yeah. the multifamily side, and investment. What's what's the trend? What's happening with investments specifically going forward? Well, 2021 was a hot year because yeah. that was one and a half years of investment activity into one because of what happened in 2020. Um, and the start of 2022 we were sort of seeing increased levels of activity compared to 2021. And first, and that's because of what was happening at the end of 2021, the, the deals bled over to 2022. So at mid-year activity year to date was around 45% above 2021. Third quarter, we're at 9%. So the number of activities slowing down based on the challenge to get financing on some of the projects, based on the higher interest rates that we're seeing in the marketplace. And to a certain extent, with, uh, with the possibility of the economy slowing down with the recession, mm. it's causing certain deals to take a little bit longer. Um, it's taken, some companies um, are uh, sort of realigning their um, objectives with 
how much um, property they ho hold. And you, you mentioned the two most popular with uh, with uh, respect to industrial yep. and um, multifamily. But yep. we've also seen cap rates start to move up in those two areas, despite um, the tremendous demand, especially for both those sectors, right? And in industrial, we're still seeing Usually we're on between 10 and 20% increase in net rents, but it's just not keeping up with the cost to borrow and cost to, to finance, right? So we're starting to see a bit of a slowdown. We're definitely not seeing sort of uh, companies or investors deciding not to invest, but they're a lot more selective on their products. The other thing that you need to factor in is this whole thing with ESG, yes. right? environment, social, and governance, right? And the certain assets that appeal to the ESG criteria better than others. And again, we're, we're start talking about these hurricanes or these 100-year storms that are happening mm -hmm. like every 10 years, every five years versus 100, every 100 years. So real estate is being a big play in that, in that where they're located, um, you know, are, they, are they flood proof? Are there certain concerns regards to where they're located? If you're lending money on those properties, not having insurance, it's a, it's a big issue. Yeah. So I think going forward that one, ESG is going to play a bigger play in what companies or what investors are looking for with the type of assets. And with the, with the interest rates where we're at, I think that's going to have a slowing um, impact. And we're only we're seeing some effect with with um, just to get the the deal across the finish line yep. with some last minute negotiations or last minute discussions. So, but we're, we're, we are anticipating a bit of a slowdown. Well, we have one quarter left. I think we're actually gonna be at the same as last year for investment activity or just slightly lower. Um, but we're definitely seeing that trend with activity starting to come off compared to a year ago. So that's, that's a big drop in the second half of the year, considering where Q1 and Q2 were. That's a significant drop then. Yeah, but also 2021 was unusual. Yeah. So I think uh, 2022 is a little bit more normal. And um, I'm not sure we should have that expectation of that level of activity. So it'll be interesting going into 2023, what happens with yeah. uh, with activity. Similar to what, what Phil Soper talks about, the exuberance of the housing market. And then this is more in line with what reality is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Coming up to December, Santa comes in, Santa drops off $5 million, $10 million to Mr. Ray Wong. Where is Ray Wong putting his money? You know this answer. And I've always <laughs> been a strong proponent of industrial. Yes. And industrial just never fluctuated that, that much in the way of rents, right? The challenge right now for industrial is, is the overall um, finding the, that product, right? And depending on your, your objective for, for investment, so you're looking at a long-term hold, can't go wrong with urban Toronto or urban Vancouver or, or, or Montreal. But then you have to go a little bit more to the outskirts to look at some of the, perhaps the industrial that has a little bit more play on it with a little bit higher um, cap rates or a little bit more opportunity for growth. Because basically um, supply is not keep up with demand where our industrial national industrial availability rate is less than 2%. It's less than 1% in Vancouver, right? So it's always been a strong bet. And I, you know, 
I know that there's higher returns in your sort of life life science areas mm -hmm. in medical, and I think that's growth. But it's almost run as a business, so it's a little bit different than from your traditional multifamily and industrial. But again, for data centers and all those areas, there are opportunities there. But if I, I, I'm a little bit more conservative in the way of return and expectations. Yeah. So for the long term play, that's your that's your yeah. outlook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of interest rates, I know we touched on it briefly, but what are we seeing? I mean, we're anticipating another bump in December. And then what about into 2024? Well, in 2022, we think there's going to be more of a, I don't think there's going to be that pressure for um, um, more increases. I think um, the numbers are hitting in the right way. So I think perhaps there's perhaps one more increase in Canada um, to try to hit, make sure we hit that inflation number. I don't think there's going to be any decrease in interest rates going next year just because they want to make sure that they, they, they control that inflation number. At the same time, they're also mindful that they don't want to push us into a deep recession, right? So I think there's going to be that balance going forward. But I think interest rates are going to stay with us going into at least perhaps one more, one more increase and maybe a um, no change into next year, and then we'll see what happens in 2024, uh, whether or not um, interest rates may start to come down a little bit. So, so I, coming down, so flat for 23, yeah. 24, potentially that's when they start coming down. Yeah, but a slow decline. Slow decline. Yeah. Death by a thousand cuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, as always, thank you very much for joining us, Ray. Well, Let's talk a little me. bit about... Uh, the personal side of Ray Wong, nobody ever gets to hear that. So what's going on with your family life? What do you do for fun? What do you do for hobbies? I try to golf like everyone else. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fortunate my, my wife golfs Try, try well. in terms of you don't get out or try in terms of your skill level? My skill level. Okay, you and me and both. And I always blame the equipment. It's not me, but it's, yeah. it's faulty equipment. I try that too. But yeah. what's the saying? A pure a, a poor music, musician blames his instrument? You know, yeah. I, I, it's, it's the skill, I think, for so me. So I think we're, we're trying to get out a little bit more. Yeah, um, and travels on on the radar. And last year, this did you year, travel at all during the pandemic? This year, we went to um, Europe. We spent uh, two weeks in in Italy. Beautiful. And um, next year, we're already planning our cruise. So, our our next vacation. So, we're trying to travel a little bit more, get out a little bit more. And again, after two years of being inside, doing anything outside, and to be able to travel with our three kids, I think is 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 key. And again, it goes back to that. Even though we're all busy, we're trying to balance that live-work balance thing and try to spend a little bit more time with, 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 with families and friends as well. So travel and golf is uh, two of the big things I'm looking forward to next year. Beautiful. Uh, any top secret tips in terms of what Altus is working on, what we can anticipate over the next little while from Altus? You know, it's, with, on the research side, it's always been... How do we get more value to our um, our clients? And we're trying to focus more on that secondary research, that that market insight. So, in addition to trying to get make sure that our information is timely, we're trying to focus on more on the on the um, the story behind it. And that's why we're spending a lot more time with our clients and having these type of discussions. So, on what they think and where we see the market going. Because I, I think right now. You can't really say that you're 100% right or 100% wrong. And there's a, whole, a bunch of other sort of factors you're dealing with, with the economy and, 
and, and consumer spending patterns and behaviors and the work from home and whether or not we go through you know, an, 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 the, the flu season or with uh, mm -hmm. the COVID cases, right? So there's a number of different factors. So I think what people are trying to do right now is try to make sure that they're a lot more sort of better informed and be aware of certain ramifications of the market based on if, if that, you know, once in a hundred year storm comes back or something, but be able to pivot and change and not be caught off guard. It's like, it's like industrial. We've gone from just-in-time delivery to um, just-in-case delivery, right? So it's causing more de more demand for warehouse because they're storing more space and not just putting the space, uh, more the, the warehouse or the, the goods out the door. So just in case there's a logistical issues, just in case there's a problem with certain suppliers, yep. they'll keep in their warehouse. So we're seeing that shift. So I think people are trying to be a little bit more prepared of what might be coming down the road. Um, so I think there's gonna be a lot more caution and awareness going forward. And uh, you know, last question for you as we wrap up here. To that point, e-commerce, bricks and mortar, what are you seeing? Any changes? Is it gonna to continue to grow the e-commerce? Is brick, mortar, brick and mortar coming back a little bit? How are some of these players like Amazon, et cetera, gonna be dealing with things like the massive returns they're getting. And where is that all that product going to go? We're hearing that there's 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 square foot warehouses being bought just to handle warehousing and, and these secondary resellers being being brought on just to handle all the returns. Um, what, what are you hearing about e-commerce and bricks and mortar? Yes. <laughs> that, that's almost a topic in, in itself. It really I, is. I, I, know. I, I shouldn't see, have left it to the end. I don't, I don't think e-commerce is going away. But what we're seeing, though, is uh, the return of the bro brick and mortar that people are, are returning to 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 retail. So yep. it's starting to grow. So it'll be interesting to see the the the, um, the holiday numbers for retail spending. But again, with this possible recession, whether or not people anticipate spending less going into the holiday season. But from e-commerce side, I think that's still going to be strong. For the brick and mortar, again similar to office, they continue to evolve and change. And similar to office as well, I think people need that social activity, they need the restaurants, they need that uh, chance to talk to somebody and say something, somebody over the over the phone, over a, over a product and be able to touch and actually tr try to f figure out whether or not it works yeah. to a certain extent. So I think e-commerce remains strong. That's why industrial has a very strong case for for continued growth in that area. But I think it's, it's still going to be interesting to see how the Amazons of the world sort of pivot. I know that Amazon's closing up a few of their older facilities, yep. but the new buildings that are, they're, they're, they're putting up, almost you know, looking at 70, 80% automation and less touches on, on the goods to be able to move um, product quicker. So. I think technology is going to play a more important role in warehouse distribution, especially from a cost standpoint, but we still have challenges with some of the logistic issues that we're having in the market. No doubt, no doubt. Well, Ray, as always, you're one of the most popular people we get asked for. Thanks. Our, our, our community love having you on. We love that you do the quarterly updates for us. We love all your reports. Uh, stay informed, stay ahead of the curve to the trends that you can with Altus. We love it. Thank you again, everybody. Thank you very much for making time and watching for Ray. As always, share, subscribe, make sure you're in for the next one, and we'll see you then. Thanks. Mm -hmm.